0: To barn banter with Cowboy Andy, the podcast for kids musicians by a kids musician. That's me, Cowboy Andy, and this is the podcast where we talk about well, we talk about all sorts of things. Sometimes we talk about recipes. Sometimes we talk about laundry. Uh, we've definitely talked about guitar strings, and today we're talking about oh boy, a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff on the plate. We're talking about collaboration. We're talking about uh, performing and releasing albums during a pandemic. We're talking about getting over technical issues with what you... I don't know what all the stuff we're going to talk about, but I know who we're going to talk to. We're going to talk to Brady Reimer and David Gibb, who just released a new album, Songs Across the Pond, which starts to kind of cover all the things I've already said. And so, welcome to the barn, boys. How you doing? <laughs> doing well hello hi cowboy andy
1: <laughs> hey how you doing good it's good to be here
0: yeah <laughs> okay so right now we can kind of vote we can we can hear through our aud- uh, auditory senses the difference between our two guests brady you're in new jersey right uh new
2: york long island new york
0: you are, okay see i'm from montana so to me they're they're all kind of the same over there
2: oh you get in trouble <laughs>
0: <laughs> i can say that because we're two thousand miles apart <laughs> Yeah. And David, you are not in the... Are you in the US right now or are you home?
1: No, 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 no. I'm I'm in the UK. So I'm in uh, Oxfordshire, which is about... Well, it's it's the county that Oxford is in, which most people in the US will have heard of. So Mm -hmm. I, I live about half an hour from Oxford, but I live in a town... Uh, out in, in Oxfordshire called Banbury because nobody can afford to live in Oxford. <laughs> <'Cause> it's so, <laughs> so, so crazy expensive.
0: So, yeah. So, uh, for people who are not familiar with um, the map, like we know New York, New Jersey, if you're in the US, you know, basically where that is. Where are you physically located then on the map when it comes to the UK?
1: So, if you think that London is sort of the south of the country, then you want to kind of go an hour and a half north and then you'll get to Oxfordshire. Uh, and I live on the very edge, the northern edge of Oxfordshire. So you drive 10 minutes kind of north out of the county and then you're in the Midlands officially rather than the north. Sorry, rather than the south. Oh. And in England, it's there's a, I mean, like every country, but there's a definitely a kind of north-south divide. And then there's the Midlands, which sort of sits in the middle, somewhere in between. And I, I grew up in the Midlands, so I, I like I like living still quite near the Midlands, and I'm not part of the South. You know.
0: Oh, are you are you familiar with the U.S.? Have you been to the U.S. a bit?
1: I've been to New York. I had I spent two weeks in New York, and I went over to Washington when I was there. And then I've also been to Florida. I've done the theme parks. So uh, kind of like sort of a sprinkling, a very, very, very light sprinkling. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I have absolutely, like, sod all idea where, where montana is like i've heard of it I've, I've heard of hannah montana that's all i can do like i just like
0: <laughs> okay so you're just getting back at me for the jersey new york joke clearly that hannah montana thing that okay fair enough good i know how this is gonna go okay <laughs> w- w-
1: was she from montana or is that just convenient because it rhymed with hannah You know. Uh, i
0: think it was just convenient because it rhymed with montana yeah no i don't think she, i don't know she's even been in montana ever yeah
1: it could have been like Hannah, Louisiana. That would have worked, you know.
0: <laughs> Hannah, Alabama. That would have worked. Yeah,
1: they, they could have done all sorts. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. No, Montana's up. It's in the top. We're right next to Canada. We're the fourth largest state. We have like less, almost. We have a million people living here, and so it's just huge, like spans. Okay. Yeah, so that's where we. are. Yeah. You should come. You should both come. It'd be fun. Yeah, <laughs> but let's talk about. Um, so uh, what I was curious about with you guys specifically was there's there's this whole uh, pandemic thing that's going on and releasing the album, and that's, that's a pain in the butt for everybody, and especially if you work on a project for a while like you guys have. But what I was curious about is when I did some research, I went to your website, and I saw you know, this really cute thing on Brady's website about um, you know the five steps to putting together an album. <laughs> and I thought maybe we could start with that because steps two and steps four... I thought were really cool. And step two, as a for people who haven't been to the website yet, and you should go because it's got a great website, is uh, book a tour together. Now you two, you two have known each other for a while, yes?
1: Like three years, sort of.
2: Not a long while at all. There's a lot has happened in a short amount of time, actually, and <laughs> um, <laughs> which is fantastic. So I think. You emailed me initially, or Is it was it uh, seven, 2017 or 18, David?
1: Seven, it, 17, I think, because yeah. it was when I was recording Climb That Tree, my, my second record. So it would have been like maybe in the sort of February, March of that year. And then yeah. the album came out in the autumn of that year or the fall, as you guys would call it. <laughs>
2: To, to let you all know how that so David just emailed me out of the blue uh, in the winter of 2017 and just said, you know, um, you know, he was it, there wasn't much of a a kid's music scene over in the UK, especially not like the U S and David was, is in the, in the front of this and actually just kind of like barreling through and (laughs) doing stuff that people aren't doing over there. And he was looking to, to the States to see, um, you know, what people were up to. And, um, so anyway, he, he, he heard us and, um, Um, and, uh, he, he liked what he heard and he just emailed me and said, Hey, you want to sing on one of my songs? And it was funny because now that he reminds me of the timeline, if he got in touch with me around that time then it the email was out of the blue and but david didn't really know that i had been listening to one of his records back when uh in 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 uh december and in the fall so so i knew who he was (laughs) and he just kind of beat me to the punch in terms of saying hi and would you like to work work together and 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 i was like yeah you know i this is the email that i should have that i should have sent and i i felt (laughs) bad So so I sang on one of his songs and then uh, then we were off and running kind of like um, just in terms of uh, getting to know each other and, and liking each other's music.
0: Well, uh, did you so did you sing on one of the songs from "Climb That Tree" or that was one of yeah. the songs? Oh, right on.
1: Yeah, Brady sang on a song called "Rain, Rain." You can stay, and I feel real bad because I. <laughs> well i've got a very high voice uh when actually write, writing songs together is great because we we, we naturally we, we leave each other space you know what i mean we don't get in the way of each other it's great but obviously i wrote that song just as and then said ready hey why don't you sing on this and it's way up here so i remember like i mean he nailed it but i i don't know what he had kind of you know like yeah yeah
2: caption that i had to put on myself to to sing that No, so
1: he was he, he was wearing his extra tight pants. That's what I can say. Like. I
0: don't. that would be cool to hear Brady through like a an auto tune, just totally turned all the way up. That'd be that would be that would be cool. That'd be interesting to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys started. Uh, you guys started to collaborate together. You made that initial introduction, became uh, friends, worked on a song. So you kind of had a feel for each other, how you worked. Because you know, I think there's all these different levels of what it takes to be successful in collaboration. You know, vision, but also then production and just how you, how you you know, work together all the way through the mix. What uh, when you first two uh, started to get to know each other, how did that that business relationship feel from a cre- on the creative stand- side for you two?
1: Well, I mean, from from my point of view, there was there was two things. One is I think we had done before we really started talking about a record. We had done this tour. Um, so I think that you know that there was a lot of trust that, that Brady put in me. and and, which I was very sort of grateful for him doing so because actually you know we we flew him out we got him a work permit you know we had to think about merch splits we obviously had to split the fees for the tour you know and I'll tell you what I I never thought it'd be so hard to send like a couple of thousand quid over to America but Jesus like (laughs) it turned out to be a really complicated thing to do I was like I'm just gonna get get some money out change it and post it to the guy at this rate you know but because because we had done that thing of of you know and actually the the business side of of touring is actually pretty simple because it was just a straight down split and but because we had sort of had to manage that together already and then because we had such an intensive period of touring you know it, it was it was kind of old school you know in the sense that we did like a gig every day for kind of i think about seven or eight days and a lot of driving as well, you know, and a lot of dodgy service stations or, or mm. gas stations or whatever guys, whatever you guys would call them, you Go know, right. and, and kind of bad food and late nights and all of that. I think it, it meant that when it came to do the record and to have those business conversations, they kind of almost didn't need to be had. Because I think it was kind of obvious we well, were going to split everything fifty fifty, and and we'd already sort of knew that we already had people that we worked with on both sides of the pond as well. So we, it's been really nice actually to bring those together and introduce them. So it, you know, um, and, and 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 unless Brady's like about to file a lawsuit, he hasn't told me about. <laughs> I think I think it's all it's all it was all pretty easy going, really.
2: I agree. Yeah, it was real. Uh, just uh, kind of. <laughs> It, all the little pieces fell into place. I mean, what David's not really saying, though, is that he and Ellie, uh, um, his, his his company over there, who, who he, d- he does things with, they put together this whole tour. Um, so, and it was a really fantastic tour. In, 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 they have a time over there. What, what's it called? What's the holiday, David, called? where? Uh, half term. It's half term. So the whole all the UK has two weeks off. Um, so everywhere. So it's actually a very cool idea and it would work great over here because in that time we were able to just book a two, a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, you know, cause everybody had off and, um, so we, we really just we 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 filled it up. Um, David filled it up, and with some really great shows from you know small community um, centers um, to libraries to to some to some really nice theaters as well. So um, that was no easy task, and um, you know and and just to put that all together with time and to and and, and to and to make it work so that he could bring me over. Um, was um you know something he did which was you know was fantastic so
0: it's for me uh, it's very there's this double uh, two the two paths going on there the idea of touring internationally like going to Shanghai like you did Brady uh, yeah. is so attractive You know, Mm -hmm. I've spent some, some time in uh, Vietnam and Thailand and every, and when I was there, I was always reaching out. I was just there like on personal, not as, not as a musician, but I was trying to, to, to figure it out, figure out international play. Um, Like, well, where, where, where do families go and who pays for it and who can, because it's a huge, it's a huge expense to just to do it. But then like to, to this point, the logistics, if you don't know the game over there at all, that's. That's the big stop. You may have the money to go, but if you have nowhere to play and no context, it doesn't matter. You're not going to do it. So this. Yeah, part if you of don't it have was... this. Now, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we all need to talk to David. David, you have a new job now. You're a booking agent for the UK for SKU. Uh,
1: you know what? P- part of it for me, um, I've never—it's never been enough for me to just play. I—I I, I get a real pleasure from. From putting projects together, from putting people together, from bringing artists in, as in like illustrators to work on things, or bringing people to work on videos, animators, whatever. That's something that I love. I love bringing the pieces of a puzzle together, and I love sharing. I mean, I'm I'm that guy who's always trying to get you to listen to the music he likes. You know, I'm that asshole that no one likes. That's <laughs> me. Like, um, and and Brady's definitely one of those artists. So for part part of it for me was I really loved this guy's music. And and I know that all the families that I play to and and people over here will love him too. And I really want to share that. You know what I mean? So it was as much a kind of selfish thing of of me like going, you know, I want to hear this guy play live. I want to see him. And it's like, well, I can't fly over to America, but maybe I can get something out of this for me as well. And I think the other motivation, aside from just being a fan, was... You know, I I'd, I'd done two records for kids, but before that, I had done you know loads of other, other records and other projects, like like everyone who finds their way into kids' music normally has, and and I was aware that I was kind of going alone, or there definitely wasn't this spirit of collaboration, and there was definitely no crossover between quote unquote adult music and and kind of family music. There was there was no kind of um, You know, you get that sense of kind of musicality, particularly in America and and Canada and in Australia as well. There wasn't that thing over here. If people were doing kids' music, they were in a nursery and they're playing nursery rhymes to like a toddler group. That's -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. where it's at. You know, they're in very different worlds. Or they've come from kind of a theatre background. So it's all very kind of... um, you know they'll be playing a character and they'll be kind of you know and, and yeah it's 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 very sort of contrived. It's not just great music why mm-hmm. not you know and I, I really wanted to kind of to, to, to have someone another artist to share that with from a selfish point of view you know what I mean like, yeah. it was such a relief to sit in a car with Brady on the M1 which is a Godforsaken road in Britain that I hope you never have to drive down and and him to play me kids music I hadn't heard because i'd <laughs> spent the last six years playing great kids songs to people who loved them and thought this is the kids this is great this is too good for kids this is amazing and it was so refreshing and just like a relief to have braided you the same to me you know and in fact he was playing a song by mike Furman two years ago um <laughs> the, uh, what makes the breakfast song the
3: corn makes a flake for the breakfast the fruit makes a shake for the breakfast the flour and the bacon soda makes a batter and the makes a pancake for-
1: Hilarious and brilliant. And I played it uh, when we were sound checking at the show in the rain the other day. It was my only show of the year, and it rained and rained rain. So during the sound check, I played it to my bass player and my sweet spot player, and they were both like, This is amazing! And then they, they both independently sent me a WhatsApp saying, Can you send me a link to that song?
0: Uh-huh. You know, and
1: it, it's but it's really hard to have those conversations by myself in the UK because there's no one to have them with. There's no common ground. And I know that it's not like everyone in America gets in a big community hall and has like a biscuit or a cookie, as you would say, and like has a good old chat about family music, but it does feel like there is a network that you can dip in and out of if you want to. And over here, there's just not that. So I had to get Brady over instead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's really cool. Um, because what you, I talked to uh, Dr. Liam Malloy, who's a musician over there. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah no, uh, uh, He was on the podcast. And then I also talked to young folkies who play in London. And they do the small pop-up stuff for like little, like nurseries and things like that. Uh, but they were both sort of saying the same thing. There's really not an organized scene over there. And your comment about like Mike Furman, that's what I encountered when I entered the kid scene over here too was when I finally, because it's like, well, I wonder if anybody else is doing this. And, you know, suddenly there's SiriusXM radio. Um, there's uh, people like Lori Berkner, who Brady obviously knows, who are super established at this. And the, the, the range and the scale is just amazing, of the talent over here. And there is, I think it's safe to say, either through Facebook or Kindycom, the convention, or small groups in Seattle and San Francisco, there is a tight a knit group of, of performers here that are super supportive. And if they weren't, if I was in your position, David, I would be depressed <laughs> and a little self-conscious. <laughs> like uh, what kind of a freak am I making music that's you know entertaining and fun and actually putting it into it when, when no one else is doing this? It would feel like an outlier and maybe not in a good way. I hope I would have enough courage like you to be like, no, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do this. But it would be tough to be uh, isolated.
1: Yeah, I mean, it felt it felt like a bit of a scary thing to do. I remember, I, I remember actually getting the email from Brady saying, "Hey, I'd love to come to the UK," and being really excited to get that email. And then, like you know, and I was like, "Oh, great!" So you know, we sort of had the chats and, and kind of Skype and that kind of stuff. And I do I remember two moments. One was trying to pull the tour together, and I got the first couple of dates in. And I thought, "Well, okay, if, if these two venues have booked this show, there may be." Others will, you know what I mean, because you know, you have your venues that you know you know are safe bets, mm-hmm. and if if something's good, they will book it because they know you and you have a good relationship. But you know, there's always in a tour those venues that you kind of you think, well, we better go here because we've got a missing, we've got a date to fill, so we'll we'll turn up at some godforsaken community centre and hope that people come and see us play. <laughs> so there was a moment of like, can I do this? This feels like quite a big thing to do to bring this guy over from New York and book a tour, and also what because I I don't. I think I have a slightly better concept of like the world that Brady plays in and the family music scene in America, but it's very easy to look from the outside and imagine that all the American children's artists are playing in stadiums to forty thousand people. <laughs> you know what I mean? We are, and I'm going to bring this guy over and put him in Cockermouth Community Centre to twenty people to bring him tea. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: I think Brady needs to speak to this point.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's why I haven't brought you over yet, David, because. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what we're not going to we're going to drive past the stadium and go over to the <laughs> um yeah well uh I, I was experiencing the same thing back um uh, a couple months before uh covid hit because we were planning to bring david over um in october and uh i I'd, I'd uh a couple of those, 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 uh, anchor gigs (laughs) booked, um, in Philly and, uh, New York. And I was just starting to, to string some things together and had the same kind of, uh, anxiety, a a little bit of just like, Oh man, you know, I really want to put together a nice tour. and I don't know if I can do this. Um, but it was coming together and then, you know, all of it stopped, but, um, So, which forced us to, uh, (laughs) you know, just kind of rethink, rethink that. But, um, but, you know, you never know because in in terms of putting the tour together, I think the, uh, you know, there's so many, I mean, obviously the, the great thing was that we, we got on and and then we had a really nice time together. So we could have gone anywhere and, and, and played anywhere, which we did, (laughs) A good time and then and, and and from a booking standpoint you never know which ones um are going to be great and not because something that maybe looks really great like wow this is a theater and this has so and so and so could be great and it was but but the little gig in the in the in the uh you know the lake district that's that takes a little extra time to get to that's a little smaller and it turns out to be a little community center actually had the whole town out and they were all sitting on chairs and we were all having tea and and whatever and it turned out to be the most satisfying gig of the tour pretty much or or very close to it because of the connection and the connection and, and and what a situation like that brings out in you as a as an artist and a traveling like and as a it's like, you know, you're definitely not going through the motions at that point, you are, you are, you are connecting and you're, you're having a real, real authentic experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just, it was just great, you know, so, so you never know when you're booking a tour like that, you just kind of got to go for it and and put all the pieces, you know, string, string them all together and just, and just, and then we, you know, we did get exhausted because it was one gig after another and we were kind of relieved when one of the gigs got canceled and we had time to just kind of just to visit and and just to just to mellow out a little bit.
0: <laughs> Brady, I got a couple of questions for you, um, what it's like to go from this side to that side. One of them, uh, one of the questions is um, when it came to gear packing, just the just the logistics of getting your uh, a little band that could over there to make sure that you could perform. What did you, you know, what did you have to do to to make sure that your gear and stuff and your band got there safely? Cause you run a band, you have to, it's like a business. You got to figure out how to get these people over there.
2: Yeah. Well, this, this was just a uh, David and I duo tour. So oh, um, cool. Yeah. So, so the logistics were simple. Um, and, a little bit hard on David's end because they, they secured my visas and, um, (laughs) and, and helped me with those, those documents that I needed. And, um, I just basically, uh, seriously just, well, I sent over some merchandise, which didn't, which didn't really arrive. (laughs) I sent over some t-shirts and, and they were returned. And so anyway, that's a, that's a, that's that's kind of a boring story but you just have to you know look into if you want to get your merchandise over there and, and send it, well, in what a, it and i forget what,
1: what it the- what it was is that there was a customs charge on it so when things over here have a massive customs charge from the states so it, you, the t-shirts arrived but then i got this thing saying hey you want these t-shirts you've got to pay 125 pound custom charge and i was like i kind of said to brady are you are you sure you want these and you're like no send them back send them back <laughs>
2: You're thinking, I, I know this guy, but I don't know him that well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, that, that, that cost value thing. It's like, am I going to sell 125 pounds worth of sh- shirts? Probably not. No, it's not a big
2: And I was worried. I'm like, oh man, I'm just going to, they're going to hit me up with that charge anyway. But I actually went back, they were delivered back to my post office and I was able just to get them. So, so, you know, it was like, you know, okay. <laughs> but, um, I, so, really for this, I just brought my guitar. We were, um, what was cool about this tour is David plays a lot of instruments. I play instruments and, and David has a lot of those there. He, uh, we have, he plays the banjo. So I played the banjo as well, ukulele and bass and acoustic guitars and electric guitars. And he also plays piano. So, um, so really, I mean, all I had to bring was my acoustic guitar, which I just, um, which I, you know, I'm just familiar with and always travel with. Um, I was going to bring a bass, but he had that too. So, so this tour, um, this was really, really simple in that sense. And, um, and, um, you know, also made it uh, enjoyable in that um, there was enough to think about and to kind of, you know, um, logistics to, to, to manage. And, and just having two of us get on the stage was really, really, um. It, once again, forced us to really connect, and 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 that's maybe in hindsight just like a nice thing to you know. I don't know if it's advice to anybody, but if you do have this opportunity, it was just really nice just to uh, <laughs> just to have it as 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 two of us, and 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 we really um, get get a lot out of the experience that way, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. So the follow-up to that is, what did you notice any? It's kind of an, it's an intangible thing. But is there a difference between the crowds and the reception that you received from the kids yeah. and from the parents that you'd say, you know, or you didn't expect it? Or maybe yeah. if you were to do this again, you'd be like, now knowing this, I would do my performance differently. Was there a difference?
2: Yeah. Well, I wouldn't do my performance differently. but And there's a couple of things that come to mind. One is... Um, <laughs> I mean, over here in the states, definitely. Like from the get-go, a, a lot of the bands. I don't want to. I don't want to do any kind of stereotyping, but you know, kids are looking to get active, and parents want their kids to get active and jump up. And there is a lot of energy that comes from um, the, especially if it's if you're a band that's saying that you're playing rock and music for kids. You know, I mean, that's what it is. So, so I think the first song of our set was my song "Jump Up," which I just like. You know, it's always in my set here, and it just gets people on their feet, kind of breaks the ice and lets us all get a little energy out. And I remember after the very first little gig that David and I did, one of David's friends says, you know that that that, so, that first song that you sang, Jump Up, you, you, you know you're singing for an English audience and you're asking a lot of us very reserved people to to like get up and do this. And, but he was kind of joking because the, the kids were up and they were loving it. And so – that was one thing that I thought was funny. And then the other thing, I have this other song where um, it's called Keep Up With You. And it's about how the parents are just trying to keep up with the energy of the kids. And at the last verse is about mom being in the bath and finally having time to relax. And she's having a glass of wine. And that's like, that's like the punchline, And then, but, but nobody's laughing, right? And I'm like, oh, man. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, this is going to be And I was almost having a little, like, I kept on saying to David, is this going to be good? Is this, is this song going to be good? He's like, yeah, (laughs) I'll be great. And so, so that was one I was kind of worried about. And then, and I'm thinking to myself, I I, I think I played it twice. We played it twice or three times and it got kind of just a, a lukewarm response. And then David's, um, a friend of uh, or Ellie's, his his friend Ellie, her mom said, "You need to change the wine to a G and T." And I'm like, "What's a and T?" She's like, "A gin and tonic." <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. So I changed it, and then it's like, "Whoa!" Everybody's laughing. <laughs> so. So yeah, I mean, you know, w- when you're in a place, you pick up on the culture and you and you change some things around, you know, and you have fun with it, and you you do it all just to communicate, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there you go. See that sort of a translation. That's that's golden, you know. It's gonna shift every everything from you know burgers and fries to fish and chips. Do you guys even fish? Do you guys even still eat fish and chips over there? Is that a thing still? Oh, yeah,
1: like yeah, massive. Yeah, it's okay. very much okay. A good. Big thing. Yeah, in fact, in fact, when Brady came over to do some tracking for the record in January, we had fish and chips on the drive home. <sighs>
0: <laughs> That's my fate. Well, I'm a I'm a fish and chips aficionado. I spent a eight long hours in Heathrow once, and I think I had fish and chips like four times, and they were pretty good.
1: You got fish and chips in Heathrow.
0: Yeah, not good.
1: So that sounds just yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like any any food in Heathrow doesn't sound great, but <laughs>
2: yeah. <I laughs> well, when that that community center gig guy was talking about, that was in a town called Cockermouth, and uh, and we were we it was just the four of us, me and Bridget, my wife, and David and Ellie, and and and. It was just a really nice gig, but afterwards we were hungry, and the guy sent us to this little fish and chips joint. And I tell you, that was the best fish and chips that I've ever had. So, <laughs> but I'm an Arthur Treacher's guy, so I, I really <laughs> can't tell you. <laughs>
0: it's another reason that I've got to get over there, besides uh, the fact that I've always wanted to spend more time there. It's just for the just for the food. But David, you did a perfect segue there, because number four on the list is the record and mix. So you guys had this uh, this burgeoning friendship that you established, found that you could be, uh, that you could collate your music thoughts together enough that you could put together this tour. You get through that part, which traveling with somebody is always the make or break for a friendship or any kind of a relationship. But then during this process, you're also, I think uh, you you were starting to write and sort of organize your thoughts for an album. How did did that transition then to, oh, let's do this and that?
1: Well, I think it, I think both Brady and I are songwriters, and I and what really attracted me to Brady's music was he's he's you know he's his he's, he's got a very open, warm personality, and that comes through in his songs. His songs invite you in to listen, and I think you know I I grew up on on the the classics like the Beatles and the Stones and Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen and Fleetwood Mac, and Brady's songwriting is so kind of. Um, reminiscent of that stuff too you know it, it's, it's kind of classic songwriting rock and roll you know and and i think for me we we've got a very similar ear you know, we like very similar stuff. You know, and we've, our musical tastes are very complementary. We shared a lot of music on the road, so inevitably, when we were start when we were rehearsing songs, or like you know, the, in the morning when we're staying in you know the Airbnb and having breakfast, and maybe one of us gets the guitar out just to you know check strings or whatever, and starts twiddling away, we inevitably started kind of writing some little bits, or you know, just just kind of mucking about on something. And and then someone says, Oh that sounds nice, what's that? And you go, well, I don't know and then you and then you kind of start this process. So it felt like kind of naturally by the end of that tour, A we had such a good time that it was like, Well, I don't wanna you know, there's there's more to this story. There's definitely more to this story, you know. Um it felt like there were enough little nuggets that had sprung up during sound checks and during kind of little opportunities to play together that there clearly could be something really great here so i don't i don't really remember a kind of a kind of set conversation where we said right brady are we going to do an album it just kind of yeah, you know, it just kind of happened. And we said, well, okay, well, that's... Because Brady sent me some... Or he, he He's very, very organised. I'm a bit scattergun, as, as he knows by now. Um, so he had um, recorded all these little bits we'd done and sound checks and everything, and he just, like, dumped this Google Drive of stuff. And, and we sort of used that as the starting point. So um, rather annoyingly, I'm on Logic and Brady's on Pro Tools, which is a bit like... like <laughs> you know that, that that's that's a pain but um, so but we we just literally um, sent things back and forth and pretty early on Brady said to me because he produced his whole record previously and he used um, easy drummer plug which just sounds great like until he told me that I had no idea it wasn't live drums. Um, but pretty early on Brady said let's let's treat these as demos you know let's use this as a writing process. So let's not worry about you know getting everything perfect and whatever. These are just demos, and that was a really smart thing to say because it meant that, that that we were able to play and muck around and and you know chop bits out and, and add bits on and all that kind of stuff and be really quite um, quite uh, uh, rough, you know, with the way we treated those those recordings and those those mixes and those parts, um, which was which was really useful. And I I think. I'd never written like that before. But what was great about it is it made you slow down. You know, hmm. I've written in the studio before and I've had writing days before. And I've done a project once where we were stuck in a, in a house in Wales for a week and we wrote like 12 songs and then performed them two days later. And that was amazing, but just crazy. What was great about this is that you have an idea and actually, you're able to stop and send it on. You don't have to finish it. You've got a little nugget and then you go, great, I'll give this to Brady and he can do all the hard work <laughs> or, or vice versa. So I think what what happened was that the songs uh, are much more thought out, I think, than some of the previous stuff that I've done. That's not to say that the previous stuff I've done I'm not happy with, but I just felt this is much more organic and much more natural. You know, It, it doesn't feel like it's got that kind of, oh, shit, we need a middle eight. Or, oh, you know what, you know, we've got the verse, chorus, verse, chorus structure. They just kind of went went where they needed to go. And, and and that I really enjoyed that. And it's made me think about the way I write in the future to, to slow down, to take more time, to think more about the song and to bring other people in to help me think about the song as well. Because it's really easy as a songwriter to just be like, no, it's mine, it's all mine, it's my vision, I'm the artist. And, and actually, it's great to just have someone else to, to come in and go hey let's do this together you know it was refreshing
0: I want to follow up on this because I've uh, because especially during this time a lot of artists are having to do this remote recording and so for you Brady how was it how was this process
2: it was fantastic and this was before I mean we this was before the the pandemic came, you know hit so but what, what was cool about that just like was that so he said he, he was great because the pressure he could just write a little bit and send it off and then taking time. Well, the taking time is actually a physical thing as well because there's distance between us. We're not in the same room collaborating. You know, he he might work on an idea on a Tuesday, send it to me, I might be busy. And then, but then what happens on a Thursday when I hear it, I hear something completely fresh and new. And then nine times out of 10, you hear how you can add to that like immediately. You know, it's not like, you know, it just like it's there it's just kind of like um you know you see how the picture can be can be finished because of um what's there you know to, before it it's it's an interesting thing because i guess cuz you don't really write songs that way you don't come into your own song unless you find an old it happens like sometimes if i listen to old stuff that i've that i've recorded i'm like wow that was a good idea and then you hear it and you're like you finally see how that song could finish you know like okay now i finally have the chorus to that song so it was really fun too just to wow i got something from david you know and i and i turn it on and then see see if it needed anything and then what it what what felt natural just for me to to add to it, and I tell you um, what
1: the I I'll tell you what the equivalent is actually. I was thinking about this the other day. You know when you're doing a crossword, right? Yeah, and, and you, you 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 kind of you're really stuck on a word, and then some bastard comes into the room and looks at it and goes, "Oh, it's this," because. It's it's that they're not in it. They're not, you know. They can see it fresh. It's exactly that same thing. It's like, oh, of course the chorus should be that. And you're like, I right, I would have known that if I if I had gone away and come back. But it's a bastard.
2: Bastard that came into the room and finished the song. <laughs> 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 no, that's that's yeah, and um and it was cool too because sometimes we and we didn't worry about what we'd send to each other. Send to each other. So David, like, even if. Something wasn't complete um, lyrically. He would say, "Hey, I, I really like kind of like the verse of this, but I but I know that uh, you know, in terms of songwriting sense, y- you get the feeling when you're just kind of singing a placeholder and and nothing is and something's not resonating yet. And it's just a process you go through if you haven't found it, and and you get used to that feeling. <laughs> so he'd say, "Yeah, the chorus isn't there yet." So then I would kind of know what to maybe focus on and what to try to try to feel. And then sometimes even just that little bit that he would send, I would end up cutting the little bit and looping it and then grabbing, even if I had a chorus or something or a little like four bars that didn't have any vocals on it, I would just loop that over and over and over so I could sing on it. So there was a real, it was really fun to just, um, Uh, Just take whatever we could get from each other to try to make these uh, these collaborative songs kind of come to life in the in the demo process. So we could, because what you're trying to do is you're just fighting really hard to 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 write that song. And if you need that, if I needed David's playing underneath that, his piano playing for me to just just to take an open mic and just start singing on top of it until something felt right, you know, because we weren't in the same room, but also because we weren't in the same room, there was no, none of that fear or that, that thing where you like, is he, is he going to like this? Like you might not open up. Like I was just opening up and then I would say, I like it. I'm going to send it to him. And because we really like David Sins, cause we we're like compatible that way. And we really do not only just trust each other, but we, we, we like what each other does, then that worked out fine. You know, there was just maybe just like really small little details that maybe one of us said, yeah, I think that might be going too far, you know, or, or that, but really just, I mean, one or two. So, so it was, it it was a very different way um, than I've ever written and very surprising and, and, uh, and surprising how natural it was and kind of um, how, how we just heard, it seemed to hear things and the songs kind of just like finish themselves in a way, in that way, you know?
0: So you guys, you did a couple covers on the, um, on the album too. Uh, You did the old Cat Stevens, if you want to sing out, sing out. And then you also did a really cool version of Twisting the Night Away. Who, who picked those covers?
1: We picked, um, what we agreed was that we would do, um, we, we would each choose a song from each other's country um so kind of uh so i chose sam cook and brady chose uh cat stevens if you want to sing out and actually it was really nice because it turned out that both of those songs had resonance for the other without actually realizing it so my my dad was a big cat stevens fan you know he used to play it quite a lot um and and and, and brady was a big sam cook fan and that music's very important to him as well um so and what I like about them I mean mine's probably a straighter cover Mm -hmm. but still it's got its own swing to it I mean to be honest with that particular song that version of that song I just I feel like I've spent the last five years trying to recreate the the vibe on Randy Newman's We Belong Together from Toy Story 3 with Mm -hmm. those horns and the opening riff I just I've never quite got it but I'm still trying to do it on on that that tune there but but what was particularly about Brady's version is that he just he in fact we'd, we'd been listening to a lot of two-tone um, uh, which obviously was massive in the UK in the 80s it was sort of dominated and there's there's some two-tone bands two-tone bands like the sort of specials and stuff who obviously did make themselves kind of known in the States um, in, in a small way and in some cases in a larger way like the Clash did a little bit of two-tone stuff um, but there's, there's loads of bands who are quite big over here but but just obviously just never made any kind of real, real impression. So we listened to loads of that stuff. So it was, it was really cool when Brady got back. And then, I mean, I don't think many people have done a Scar version of any Cat Stevens song. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it was surprising it, to hear and it was really cool. I was like, oh, okay, I love – because I like the fresh take on anything. And it's like, oh, that's – it's neat. And the, the funny thing was is that listening to the album, those songs fit perfectly with the theme. I mean, it just – those – that uh the feel of it just from a, in the music and the energy is those are perfect covers they just flow flow with it as far as what you um i guess maybe what the intent of the album was when it came to writing the lyrics though how did you guys work with that did was it a well here's a my song here's a your song oh and then the other person can comment and make edits because even though we we're in this genre where everybody thinks that everybody's all marshmallow and happy all the time. We all have egos. I mean, we all, we all have things about our, uh, our craft that we, we hold in sometimes and lyrics can be really dicey for any songwriter. When you, when you put one out there and you're like, no, but this is what I want to say. It can be challenging to be challenged. So did you, you talked a little bit about, um, commenting on the other person's work How did that actually work in practice, though? And how would you suggest people who are trying to do this? And especially, not to gas too much here, but during this time, I'm trying to do an album now collaboratively, and it's tough. It's really hard for me to stick to it, to find the discipline to keep going back, to be like, okay, now can I hear the bass line again, or, or can you redo this? You know, it's like exhausting. When it gets to lyrics, how did you guys manage that specifically?
1: Well, Brady doesn't know this, but all the songs are actually secretly about me.
2: uh. (laughs) All the lyrics I wrote are about David, they are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just just Brady's kind of um, love letter to me, the whole album, really. He just can't get enough. (laughs) Uh, No, uh, that's, that's obviously not true. I don't think there was any... Moment and and maybe if I worked with someone else in this way, I'd realize how incredibly lucky we are, Brady. But I don't think there was any moment where where we disagreed. You know, I you know I I think there I think I think the other thing that was really really useful is that we had four solid days in the studio together, and that meant that we got down bass drums, most of the guitars, and a lot of the keys. And and that meant that we had a really solid foundation. So it meant that we were able to go and play with things like lyrics and that kind of stuff. But
2: but wait, I, I can't remember. But I think actually, but I'll just disagree with that a little bit because I think at that point, David, the lyrics were written. And that
1: is true. Yeah, you are right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Think-
2: like once again we weren't like two songwriters sitting in one room going oh i have the first line you have the next one it what it was was songs that had spots where each one would sing mostly so uh, so I never had a problem with anything that David wrote that he sang. Like he, you know, like, let's say uh, a song like Summertime Soul, like he starts off with his verse and then um, sings a chorus. And then I come in with my verse. Like he, then he intentionally left a hole for the second verse. I mean, that was another, another kind of rule of the uh, unspoken rule of the game is that don't do too much on Mm. one song yourself, yourself. Leave it's it's like this little game I've I've played with my kids when we're sitting and waiting for our food <laughs> in that time when you have to manage like these kids just can't sit there. So we, we on a piece of paper we draw we call it drawing a monster where I'll just make one line and then I'll send pull it over to my my son Gus and then he'll and he's not allowed to do too much. You just do a little and then the next person does a little and a little and a little and then um because then you right. I mean then it's a, a real real it takes a lot of the stress out, actually, and, and it makes for a real solid um, collaboration that way. But what, what
1: was what, what was great about that
2: as well is that the more we wrote together, the more we began
1: to know where to leave the gaps. Right. So by about song three, because you know Brady played played bass in his band Good Homes for years, and i said this before in in, in other places, but I'll say it again. He's a, such an instinctive bass player, and for me. I mean, I, I should, in case my bass player, Sean, is listening to this. Sean is amazing and brilliant and fantastic, but he's not a songwriter. He's, he's, he's a musician. He's a brilliant musician, but he's not a songwriter. He's a good arranger. But what Brady brought was, you know, that kind of understanding of how a bass line works in a song. So pretty quickly, I just didn't touch the bass lines in any of the songs. because, like, well, that's Brady's bit. I know he'll do that really well. So what, we began to understand where we should leave those gaps because we began to understand each other musically, which was really important
0: for me. Well, and a huge relief. I mean, for me, being able to rely on a drummer, and I'm like, oh, yeah, well, there's this part in the middle where I just kind of want this, like, da-da-da, like, oh, I don't know. You know that song by Golden Earring? And he'll be like, yeah, let's just do it. And they do it. That's a huge relief for for songwriting. That's got to be massive. Which one of you writes choruses better? And which ones write verses better?
2: Both. I think there were instances where, like, I surprised myself and said, wow, you know, like... I, well, the, 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 those are nice lyrics for that chorus. I didn't, didn't know I, I I had that, you know? And, and then, and then same thing with like David, Like I, I mean, that's what I think, you know, it's kind of, and that's why it was so fun because you had a different little challenge, like you had a, or, or a bridge or something, you know? So. Um,
1: I think with, with what, what's helpful as well is that Brady and I are quite both in the way we write songs are quite, chorus focused and we're both quite good at writing the big hook that's mm-hmm. something that we both do well which which is good you know what i mean you know we, we write we both i mean we, we write those kind of songs with the big hook mm-hmm. and i think that's probably why i was drawn to brady's music because i'm going right. for, for an easy
2: win and know? even if we don't do it well if you don't like it we appreciate it and we want to because we love <laughs> We love a big good hook. <laughs> well, it's, like, it's the, the hard pro,
1: The problem is there, there's a difference between catchy and good, isn't there?
0: <laughs> I mean, ear candy and ear worm. Those are two different things. Yeah. You have to know the difference. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
0: You gave yourselves a little bit of an advantage in that too with the content that you selected. You write a song like Two Towns. And it's like, Hey, I'm going to talk about my space. You talk about your space or, or, um, the other one that I noticed was the, the you say this, I say that it's like, Oh Yeah. yeah. So let's just, let's work on the fact that we are the same and different musically. Yeah. Well, I think
2: that was, that, that, that was just seemed like an obvious theme to explore in the album, but to not to beat it, beat it too hard, just to see if it happened naturally. And, um, And I remember at a little sound check, I started singing about you know kind of the funny words that you know like the boot of the car and the and the the soccer and football and saying, "Well, you know, that's keep that in mind because that could turn into a you know because you're also um, I think another thing that's cool about this and is like uh, I've. You're on a stage, right, in in the UK, and you're experiencing um, communicating to an audience. So when you leave that, that those 14 days or whatever of doing that, you have a good sense of what kind of language and what kind of music and what kind of feel and what kind of music will communicate to an audience like that. So you, I think for me, that always seeps into the songwriting and is very inspiring because I'll want to come home and write 10 more songs that I know I could go back over there and play for this audience that I, that, because I have the feeling fresh that I know they're going to love. So I know they're going to love two towns where I talk about cucumber ice cream and David talks about Mr. Potato Head. And there's going to be a great intro to that song that he's going to say about, about the U S giving his town, Mr. Potato Head. It's like, and, and then we talk about, you know, the courgette and the zucchini. And, and so, so I think the, the experience really kind of filtered down and, 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 and worked its way into, into songs like, like that. And, and, but we didn't want the whole album to be like that. We wanted also just to, you know, to once again, another unspoken rule of the game is don't talk about, don't talk about it too much. Just songs happen and let the other person once again, sing what they want to sing about. You know, David loves the summertime. It's a very special time for him. so, so, because we were traveling and we were experiencing things and, you know, he wanted a song like that. And that might not have been something that I would have chosen, but it's something that works really well in in a situation like that. You know,
0: you just released the album and you had a, at the end of uh, August, I think it was August 30th, you had this glorious hour long album release party, live thing. I, I watched it and, yeah uh you both were able to join for, uh, maybe for just for a little bit david but uh, brady you, you you put it together with a few cameras i mean it was really cool the way that you launched this album so just to shift a little bit uh how are you guys doing now as far as promoting the album or planning the next thing um when we're not really sure when the live gigs are going to open up i know still on like your website david i saw that you had a, you were supposed to do that um hard rock cafe show in philly in October, October 4 or something like that. And uh, but you mentioned earlier that that's off now.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I I probably shouldn't say this, but I'll say it anyway. I mean I, I really hate having to promote a record. You know, I, I love I love playing a record and I and I love making a record and I love the reaction you get when you share a record, but the I, that whole kind of promoting it, particularly these days in the kind of the kind of the vacuum of social media um, and I think that vacuum is is worse than ever during pandemic because that's where everyone's living out their lives. Um, is, is, it's, it's a tough experience and it's really, really hard not to feel like you're shouting you know into the void. Um, so I think Brady and I our approach to that actually is to try and keep the creativity going. Post record. So actually, we've been doing these kind of collaborative live streams where we've been having lots of fun and we've been messing around. And we did one last week uh, where um, we drew each other because it was all about the artwork. So we tried drawing each other, and I drew Grady with a giant thumb and a disformed face, which I'm (laughs) sure he loved. Uh, and, 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 you know, and then likewise, the music videos, we, we've tried to be really creative. We've got the fans involved doing, like, signs and drawing, and um, actually there's, there's an animated video in the pipeline for Living in a Beatles song, which we've seen some kind of um, rust of, and it's just, it's going to it's be really, really cool. So I think our approach to try and, try and get the record out there when we can't play shows is to try and keep it creative because, you know, it's so boring just tweeting every day. Oh, my record's out or I've got a review or and no one cares but you because why should they? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like people, people want to be engaged. People want to be engaged in a creative way. But I have to say sometimes it's so exhausting as a musician having to having to run on that treadmill when actually what you really want to be doing is playing shows writing songs but that's these days you can't you can't just be a musician you have to be all the other things and as i alluded to earlier sometimes i quite like that i like the idea of bringing a project together but sometimes it can feel really exhausting and frustrating that you know you think my god i've been working on this record for so long and i'm so tired but i don't think i've picked up my guitar in 3 weeks you know mm-hmm, <laughs> it's
2: mm-hmm. crazy well, same thing. Like you, you also realize, man, we just worked so hard on this, and 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 you know. Especially at the end, see, it's all fun and games in the beginning. You're sending like little tapes back and forth. You're like the dog is oh, the dog's howling on the demo tape, and you're like oh, we'll leave that in. And and but then you get to the end where you're you're mixed. I was I was up at five in the morning and and mixing virtually with the with the studio in in Darby, and it was actually phenomenal because I had headphones on and I was hearing a, a a a studio quality mix and I was seeing Pro Tools and and I was I was saying no, you know, move that move the fader this. Way or add a little bit. It was so precise, and that really helped us um, finish the album um, quickly in that time. Just the last last little bits, and then you have to get it mastered. Then you're like, oh my gosh, we've spent so much time on this, and hopefully mastering's okay. The mastering's okay, and then just putting the artwork together. That's that's a little stressful because then you get back the print, and it's upside down, or it's 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 you know, etc. So so and then you get to the launch date and you're, and you're, and you're kind of like, you kind of want to say, yeah, you know, crack open the champagne and just like kick back. But it's like, no, now the real work actually begins because no one is going to hear this in the world unless you kick major butt right now and find creative ways and, and work hard at it. And, um, and I think for, for us, one of the things that we've focused on, which has been fun, not only the, um, I mean, having, um, having the UK and the U S um, thing is, is been great. And we've been doing, like David said, our little, uh, Facebook live, um, shows, which is, which is fantastic. But, um, with the promotion, we've just been taking it song by song. So like, you know, um, as opposed to, uh, I mean, I think if you can if you break it up like that, and then that gives you um, some nice um, creative fuel to work with. Um, so you can pick a song like Two Towns, and then you can talk about some of the specifics about that, and that can be a fun post, and then get people to the album. You know, it's it's kind of just like continuing to tell the story. Um, there is a big story there, and we just want to keep telling the story, and then hopefully that'll turn into um, you know more people hearing the record and people sharing the record. You know. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, one of the things that I'd like to add there as well is that I think there's a really interesting move in the music industry and the way people consume music, but I don't think it applies to family music, and I think... There's a real danger point because Spotify and live streaming in general is really emphasizing short, short-form short releases, singles, EPs, and regular, like every couple of months, a new single, a new single, a new single. And that's fine if you're a kind of you know mainstream dance artist or even a songwriter or whatever. I don't think that's how families consume their music. I feel like families... Uh, still buy CDs to a certain extent, obviously less than usual, but I, I still sell a lot more CDs than I think my um, contemporaries would in kind of mainstream music because families like to put CDs on in the car. They like to have that emergency thing in the glove compartment. Um, do you call it a glove compartment? Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: It's one of the ones in common. Yeah, well,
1: there we go. Um, you know, that they can just whip out on a long journey and shove it in the CD player and, hey, that's 45 minutes piece right there. Um <laughs> And I think it's really hard because it costs a lot of money to make a record, um, but but the returns on records aren't there. But I don't think that releasing an endless stream of singles is 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 a very helpful way to to engage um, family audiences. I don't think that's what family audiences want. But what I really worry about is that the music model that, that the likes of Spotify and Apple Music are pushing. Is, is that model. And I don't think it fits with, with our industry. Mm-hmm. And and that, that I find that really concerning. And I'm not really sure what the answer is. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I
0: know Spotify specifically, there was an interview uh, last month with the CEO who said specifically like, oh, no, singles are the only thing that we're going to pay attention to. I mean, yeah. they were. Yeah. he was very direct about it. It's like, if you want to be relevant on Spotify, it's a single every couple months. You can't go in a year and a half and release an album because they don't want that. That's harder for them to promote. But I completely yeah, okay. I completely agree with you with the kids music. The thing about kids music is you put that CD in and that 3-year-old says, "I want to hear the same CD on the drive to the grocery store every single time." Yeah. That's how yeah. they consume it. That's how they listen to it. Yeah.
2: That's one way. I I you know devil's advocate i have seen artists and i know artists who are doing the single route and after they release the singles at a steady stream they put out the album to um to have both, and to have that as their at at their live shows, and also for people, because so many people are now are just saying Alexa, play so and so, play songs across the pond, and there are other ways of they're not even actually getting into a physical product, um, and and there are people who are doing the singles thing, and and then just it's just a it's just a content machine. It just keeps just throwing you know from. And it's kind of like 360. It's just doing everything from um, singles to to videos to recipes, whatever. It's just you know. So I don't know. It's um, I, I think it would be interesting also to examine the um, um, the cost, like from an artist's point of view of of you know that's another reason sometimes like lately i've been thinking about just doing some singles after you know while we were been working on songs across the pond just to because also now the idea of getting people together is is harder and and but you still need to get new stuff out there you know so i don't know it's interesting to keep an eye on you know let's see
0: the singles, uh, singles versus albums. I like that idea of releasing ten singles, then putting it together um, on an album. From a from a financial standpoint, if you can, if you could great do a great single with a super awesome video that's going to get traction, get it on Kids Place Live. That's you know, and and then have it so you're circulating through uh, through their video channels and some satellite radio, and hopefully people are listening to it on Spotify that's about the best that you can hope for right now because i mean we we sell CDs at concerts It's part of the merch package if we don't have concerts there's no there's real no revenue stream from from that so
2: And that's what, yeah, Dave and I really had the song, Hey There, we put together a really great video. Um, It got added to a, um, to a Spotify curated playlist. And, um, and I know people are hearing that song. Someone said we should come out for that as a ringtone, David. (laughs) So, um, so, I mean, so, right. So, yeah, that was really nice to kind of see the, all the, all the dots
0: are connected on something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. But like you were saying, Brady, about all the things you have to do just to get an album and then a video on top of that, and then promote the video on top. It's like, oh man, the load just keeps keeps getting bigger and bigger for the kindy musician, you know, for the independent artist.
2: David's a David's is really multi multi talented. He makes great videos. He's a great graphic designer, and and I I do some video work too. And I do the so we're also we could do a lot of that in house between us. And actually, with the videos, it'd be like. And what we didn't really speak about this, but it's like, okay, you know, you, you just did a lot of work on that last one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I know what I need to do for this next one. Don't, don't, worry.
1: I, I and, can't, I can't tell you how relieved I was when you were like, I it this one. I was like, oh my God, thank you. Like, I can't face doing another one because two towns almost broke me doing that video. <laughs> but that was my fault for coming up with a stupid, complicated idea. I made, I made a yeah. rush my own back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's do a picture book where we have, I was watching it and I was like, Whoa, this is, they got, there's a lot of posts going on in this. There's a lot of, uh, huh, wow, this is great. It's good. It's a great video.
1: Um, I would never recommend it to anyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, the the thing of it is, I'd love to get each of you on the podcast individually to talk, Brady, about your history and what you're doing, and David, to talk to you more about what it's like in the UK. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be now, but maybe in sometime in the next six months, if you guys are like have something going on and you want to have a conversation, I'd love to have you both back independently.
2: As we've been saying in kind of our in summary of these things it's it's amazing what a simple hello can do. And, you know, just to go out and, um, you know, to reach out and, and to, to say hi and collaborate with people that they, that they want to, that they want to work with. And, um, you know, of course it's kind of, it's kind of obvious, but these these kind of songs and the this record you know, would never have been made, you know, and and and, and so I'm so happy that it that it is. <laughs> yeah. You
1: know? I, I, I remember going back to that gig at the community centre in Cockermouth, but all the gigs on that tour. I remember standing on that stage thinking to myself, you know, this this must be the first time that any musician from New York has ever played in this town ever. I'm <laughs> probably and probably for the next fifty years as well, like you know, and and feeling this sense of joy, and that is the word for it—sheer joy—that that 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 you're responsible for that, you know, that these people are seeing someone, someone you know whose music you love, because of because of the the risk you took, because it was a risk, you know. I remember standing in the airport waiting to meet Brady, thinking, I don't know who this guy is. Like he he could be like a terrible misogynist bastard i don't know he could be like he could be horrible i have no idea I mean, that, As it was. that's
0: clearly brady's yeah. reputation in the u.s just so you know everybody <laughs> i've ever talked to was like you know brady oh yeah that that bastard yeah yeah just stay away from him <laughs>
1: but you know what i mean like you know i'm about to spend a week with this guy playing shows we've never met we've had a couple of skypes that's it so it, you know, it 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 did feel like a bit of a risk, but at the same time, there was something about his music, about his exchanges with me, that made me think, despite the slight anxiety because you the unknown, made me feel deep down that this is going to be good. So I would say to follow up what Brady was saying that if you know, follow your gut because my gut was telling me all the way through this is going to be good. And you know what? It was better than good. It was brilliant. So you know, you, you know, you know, when you know, you know, and it was, it was, it was great. And, and that's, why made, that's why we made, that's why we made this record together. You know,
0: speaking of the record, which song do you think probably best represents your partnership and this, this creative friendship? Well, uh, try, would you say traveling, David, David, or?
1: So I, I want to hold your hand. No, <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, Tripper? <laughs> um, yeah, Traveling Dave is kind of fun uh, because it's very much uh, a, a song of a verse and a chorus. You know, it was it was written on the road and then finished sort of remotely. Um, and it, it's got a little bit of a Graceland, Paul Simon vibe to it in places. Um, it's, yeah, it's nice. And it's also definitely a song it's written by both of us because neither of us can sing either parts. It's either too low or too high, <laughs> <laughs> as we discovered to our cost trying to do it. When I tried to sing it by myself, I was like, "Oh my god, this isn't working, <laughs> is it?"
0: <laughs> okay, well let's listen to it. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> David off of the new album, Songs Across the Pond by Brady Reimer and David Gibb. Same David? Travelling David? David?
1: Yeah, Brady admitted to me the other day that it was going to be Giant David originally, and he changed it. And I was like, what did it start off as like Big Fat David and then went to Giant David and then Travelling David?
0: (laughs) Started off as David Gilmore. And you guys were going to do this <laughs> awesome solo in the middle. You guys, by the way, um, and I noticed this on, two, on uh, two Towns, you're one playing a telly, one playing a strat. Uh, thanks for the video, David. The, uh, the The tones that you had playing those melodies together, you're both accomplished musicians. And the melody lines that you came up with, that, that that harmony that you put together as a guitarist who plays a strat and a telly, I was like, oh. And I was actually playing it for my son, Gus, who... Uh, listen to it and he was like oh yeah this uh, it was a because we were listening to the song he's like oh this is cute and we like this and this is fun and then that guitar solo came in and we were like oh and guess who's nine was like oh that's that's some pretty pretty good guitar and we were both <laughs> like Well, wow, yeah so i always like to throw uh throw praise at chops when i hear him and that 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 element you guys nailed very well
2: Praise is right there as my thing because David came up with that that whole guitar line in that song. And once again, it's like I I had the chord progression on the on the guitar and I didn't know where that chord progression came from. It was a very different kind of chord progression. I think I was actually thinking that this might be cool w- for David and my song, and sent it over to him. And then he came back with that all with all the that that guitar melody, the counter melody that was just like wow and once again it's so surprising it's like no of course i would never hear something like that and then he added the harmony to it and so um so that was all that was all david um uh, on that. I, was,
1: I, I was channeling my inner lindsey buckingham um yeah. but i think also i i should give credit to um robin rich from snug recording who who um produced the record with brady and me and they mixed the whole thing and also they were really instrumental in giving us the the forum to work remotely, they really helped. But you know, they're um, they're two guys who I've worked with a few times, and they're just they're brilliant. But what's what's so good about them is that they've got the perfect balance of technical know how and musical know how. So that the, certainly those guitar tones came from them, you know. And and you sort of said, oh, right, it's a bit like this or a bit like that, and they just sort of go away and they twiddle with knobs and pull wires and plug things in, and suddenly it's, it's your guitar's singing like it was. So um, yeah. It, yeah, they're, they're great. I mean, I think even at one point I just, for Travelling David, we had that sort of um, Afrobeat kind of sound on the guitar and I and I, I said to them, I, I, did, they did, I did this on a plug-in in Logic and I can't remember what the settings were or anything and, and I just sort of opened up Logic and Rich just looked at it like once and within about two minutes the sound, same sound was there, different plugin, but he just so having having someone that could work so quickly and and so efficiently and that knew kind of the reference points that we were giving them was was essential, I think that that made a big difference to making this an easy thing to work with
2: and also what was great is that they they got the sound and then and then David recorded with that sound as opposed to oh just play play it and we'll and we'll we'll make it sound good in the end it's that like, so they so as you are as you're recording the song and 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 layering on parts you're you're committing yourself to a certain sound which is a certain vibe which is a certain uh, feel that is that is Continually, kind of completing the song in the right way, and not, and and so that all affects what goes on top of it later. You know, so yeah,
1: I, cause I, I think they they were taking a DI out. Yeah, but they were also they were reamping. So they were using a um, an amp plugin, but they reamped everything as we went as well. So, yeah. You, you, you know you've got both signals there so you use it does feel like the kind of traditional method of hey this is your guitar sound and now you've got your sound that's your sound you know like yeah
2: and this is what it's going to like in the end pretty much and, and and it's important i think to get that with the way that we recorded because we were only going to be there together for a couple of days and so the more that we could k- communicate how we really want it to sound like in the end i think was um was you know was good to good to say you know
0: mm-hmm. well i would hope that you guys would um find a way next year when things open up and the venues are back and roaring and and things are things are Cooking along like they're going to, because I'm I'm an optimistic kind of guy, and I think it's going to get better. I think it's going to be okay. I think that we're going to see some changes that we're going to are going to surprise us. And I think think it's good. I think it's going to be okay. And I would hope that when it when it is that you guys will find a way, you know, to to come to get David over here for a tour, like you said, and get a full band into it, and just actually like you know tear it up. I think that would be a great thing to see and a great thing to. Um, I would hate I would hate to think that an album so fine as this gets kind of not lost, but the project sh- gets shelved a bit because of the current situation. Because I think it has legs. I think the message to it is pretty is is really cool, and I'm just I'm very uh, enthralled by this partnership. This this this, this, this relationship that you guys have and and how you were able to make it work and so i'd like to see the next leg of it which is the good part the playing live the getting to the, you know going to those stadiums that brady fills and, uh, <laughs> and you know david that you you'll get a chance to see it kind of move out of the reigning farmer's market into you know get some spotlights and some kiss paint you know yeah. on and uh see what it's like <laughs> to have a, a green room that's always a fun thing so yeah, that's, that's hope. so when you guys do that though you have to invite me to watch. Well, we're, yeah.
2: we're going to come to
0: Hannah Montana country, I promise. <laughs> oh, man. And I just started to like you, Brady. <laughs> I love Hannah
2: Montana. I, I've, I've seen so many of those episodes with my kids.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Hey, thank you so much for uh, for joining today. I really appreciate the conversation. And uh, yeah, be well.
2: All right. Okay. Thank you for having us. Y'all later.
0: Super fun conversation with Brady Reimer and David Gibb about their new album, Songs Across the Pond, Collaborating at a Distance. During a time when collaboration uh, across a distance seems like a pretty darn good idea, if not the only idea. But it's going to get better, so that's okay. Um, thanks again, Brady and, and David, for that. And uh, if anybody has any ideas about how to jumpstart a really cool kindy scene over there in the UK, let me know. If there's other artists in the UK who'd like to chit-chat with me about that, I'd also like to hear from you. And uh, what else is going on?
3: Hmm,
0: I don't know. Just the usual usual, I suppose. If you want to get on here and talk to me about what makes you special and maybe what advice you can give other kindy artists. Drop me a line at my email fun at cowboyandy.com and we can have a talk and drink coffee together remotely. Zooming it in. How fun would that be? All right. Well, until then, be well, wear a mask, don't forget to vote, and. la la. la.
3: Oh. Let's sing the song about.
0: like playing games. We all like to be hugged and loved, trapped in our beds at night. Tall or small, boy or girl, brown, pink or black or
3: white.
0: Ho, oh, oh, ho, oh let's sing a song about how we're all the same. I had no idea my sex, guests would have such a mouth. We all like playing games. We all like to be hugged and loved, trapped in our beds at night. Tall or small,
3: boy or girl, brown, pink or black or white. Same, how uh, we all
0: like sex and cuddles, and we all like playing games. We all like to be hugged and loved, tucked in our beds at night, tall or small, boy or your girl.